Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Point Counterpoint. The only podcast where I got sick of talking about the topics that I was in the last couple episodes. <laughs> I'm, I was just done with that. That wasn't very fun to me. So, time for a more fun, a couple uh, fun topics here. And I, what I wanted to talk about is something that doesn't sound interesting superficially when you hear it. But it really is because there's really a history behind this. And a lot of people, when they learn it, they don't really think about that. But I had to, I had to find out. So what I'm going to talk about is the, the word you in Spanish. Now, as many of you are probably aware, there's the two form, there's the usted form, there's the vosotros form in Spain, there's the ustedes form. It hasn't always been that way, though. And also, it's rather similar in France, where they have two and vu. Now, in Spanish, two is the more informal, more familiar way to to call someone that you're referring to as you, usted is the more formal, and likewise in the plural, ustedes is the formal, and it's used also just across all of Latin America, and vosotros is in Spain. But there's also another form, the vos form, voseo, and I'll get into that in a bit. Of course, and of course, as I was saying, France is similar. They have they have uh, two, the two form, which is singular, familiar, and then there's the vous form, which can be either f- formal or plural, formal or familiar. I promise it's not that complicated. <laughs> so in French, I could say, uh, "Comment allez-vous?" Or I could just say, "Comment tu?" In Spanish, I could say, "Como estás?" Which is, or, "Como estás tú?" You know, it's the two form. Or I could say, "Como está usted?" Or I could say, "Como estáis?" For vosotros. Or I could say, "Como están ustedes?" So, of course, there's different forms for all of these different U forms. And it changes throughout the years. So, two is the form that actually goes back to Roman times. And I'm about to read to you a little passage here, which I think is very interesting. So, personal pronouns in Spanish are different to the English language system. But what are personal programs? pronouns. They are a category of words that are used to refer to a noun that is not explicit in the sentence. As it happens in English, we were speaking about John before. There's no need to say John all the time. We use he or him instead. Well, in Spanish, we have pronouns of courtesy, usted, ustedes, and a second plural pronoun, vosotros. In addition to this, our third personal program, pr- plural forms are masculine, eos, and Eos and feminine eas. There are the main differences between both languages. However, the biggest pr- 
problems with personal pronouns in Spanish are the, di are the dialectical differences. When should we use to, vos, or usted? Okay. The history of these personal pronouns in Spanish. The form to is the original pronoun that Spanish language inherited from Latin. It was used in all situations until the third century when a new form appeared, vos, from the second plural person. Speakers used votes only for formal situations and to address dignitaries, the king, nobles, clergy. In these situations, the situation was stable until the 16th century. However, the constant use of votes started to lose its meaning of courtesy because it was not so exclusive as it was at the beginning. One century later, it, it was used as two. Uh, those dignitaries who were very pleased with when somebody used to to speak to them with votes at that moment, they felt offended by the use of votes. How usted arrived? Other for forms were needed to express courtesy. That's how vuestra merced, vuestra señoría, or vuestra excelencia were used to replace vos. Only one of them had success, vuestra merced. The continuous use of these forms made them shortened form, a shortened form, usted, or short for vuestra merced. Usia, Vuestra Señoría, or Vuequencia, Vuestra Excelencia. And this is how we use, we still use usted in modern Spanish. The personal pronouns in America. During the conquest, the form vos arrived very eroded to America. In Mexico, Peru, and part of Colombia, the situation was similar to Spain. They accepted the new form usted. On the other hand, in the southern countries, Argentina, Chile, Uruguay, Paraguay, there are two different scenes. The use of the three pronouns, vos, to, and usted, or only to, vos, and usted. In countries when they use the three forms, vos is always the most familiar and colloquial. What happened with vosotros and ustedes? In some areas in Spain, Andalusia, and the Canary Islands, and most of America, the speakers don't use the second plural person, vosotros. Instead, they use the form of courtesy, ustedes, that lost the formal meaning as it happened, as has happened with vos. To sum up, the personal pronouns in Spanish are always changing, and the evolution is cyclic. One form loses their original meaning because of the constant use, and another form arises. Nowadays, the form usted is degenerating in Spain and eventually will disappear. That's interesting. If you want to know more about the personal pronouns in Spanish and their differences, don't hesitate and reserve lesson. Oh, okay. I didn't need to read that. <laughs> it's kind of like if I was reading cue cards and it said, there is food in your mouth. And so I read, there's food on your mouth. <laughs> oh. Yeah. But language evolves. It evolves to suit the needs of the speakers. Words that no longer are useful to the native speakers anymore eventually just fade into obscurity. As is happening with the more formal forms. View. That's just, that's just the way the cookie crumbles. It's just what happens. All right, all right, okay, yeah, yeah, all right. I mean, it happens in English, it happens in Spanish, 
all over. Okay, there's there's words that we don't use anymore. We don't say thou, the. Sometimes we say thus. That's a little different. Thou, the. There's a number of words that we just never use in common conversation. Of course, if you've heard the song that I that I have released on Spotify, Traveler Song, we do say thee in there. And twas. Yeah, I'm try yeah, it was, it was just thee and twas were the old words that we used. Um, yeah. Yeah. Alright. Next topic. What is going on in China right now? And I realize by saying this, I could potentially get this podcast banned in China. Well, they can do that if they want. I mean, they're, Xi Jinping is going to do what Xi Jinping is going to do. So, what is happening there? Have any of you heard of the Uyghurs? It's an ethnic group in China. There are many different ethnic groups there. Biggest one is Han Chinese. And currently what's somewhat making the news, but not, not as much as it should be, is the Uyghur crisis, which is a Muslim minority ethnic group in China. It's kind of in the western area of the country and China has an anti-terrorism policy which is directly targeting them and you know shaving heads putting them on buses sending them off to re-education camps that's what they're calling they're really but uh, I mean effectively they're concentration camps where they're sent there to, to learn Mandarin Chinese to try to put them into, try to assimilate them into the main culture. Of course, many, many die. Many are separated from their families. And yet, why does nobody say anything? You see maybe a couple posts on Instagram. Yeah, you don't really see that many news headlines, at least I haven't, that mention what is going on in China. Like at one point, uh, what was the line? Uh, is Mark Cuban. And he was telling uh, Ted Cruz to, that he should grow a pair. To which he replied, maybe you should criticize, and Mark Cuban being a NBA team owner, said that you should uh, 
criticize what China is doing to the Uyghurs. To which Mark Rubin replied, I don't want to get mess with the internal affairs of another country. Oh, okay, I see. So, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's not okay to mess with another country's policies when they're violating basic human rights, or they're literally trying to wipe out an entire ethnic group through forced sterilization, forced abortion, trying to wipe out an ethnic group that they find threatening that they don't like. It's one thing to not want to get into the, into the affairs of other p countries when it's something like uh, taxes. So, say China increased taxes on something. Okay, you can do that. Say China made some little laws. Maybe it made... Oh, what's another example? No, let's, let's not pick on China. Let's, let's do another country. Let's say Australia um, wants to raise taxes on beer. It wants to make it harder to get a license to fish. Okay, that's what Australia wants to do. Let's say Australia decides that it doesn't think that the original aboriginals living there should have the right to live wherever they want and, say, and they force them to live in special reservations and they don't let them go to Melbourne. Melbourne, I should say. That's a different story. And of course, China wants to step out beyond that and are instituting forced sterilizations, forced abortions, separating families. One uh, mother and daughter hadn't seen each other in two years, and is actually is actually super sweet. Um, I'll see if I can find the. the clip. I don't know if I can. Um, let's see. I might not find that exact one, but I can, I should be able to find something. Oh, John Oliver did a really good take on this. I'm not going to play it because it's 20 minutes long, but How about this one? This is from eight months ago. China doesn't want the world to see Xinjiang up close. To see the crackdown, it calls an answer to terrorism. There have only been fleeting glimpses of swelling detention centers, but now there's real proof. Secret blueprints of mass incarceration and indoctrination of Muslims. 
How this happens is outlined in meticulous detail in these secret documents, including a record of a seven-day sweep in June of 2017 in which more than 15,000 people were picked up off the streets and sent to these so-called education centers. But make no mistake, the orders in here are clear. These are prisons. Those inside must spend at least a year in them. One document is a series of decrees on how to maintain security. Prevent escape is the first and a repeated priority, especially during class, eating periods, toilet breaks, bath time, and medical treatment. That includes full video surveillance coverage of dormitories and classrooms free of blind spots, as well as a rollout of secret forces to prevent people from joining forces and causing trouble. By the term religious extremism, the Chinese mean Islam. Albanian-Canadian historian Olsi Azeshi sees in the documents echoes of what he saw for himself. Once doubtful of the detention of reportedly mostly Uyghurs, he recently asked for and got an official tour. His videos of smiling students, seemingly learning Mandarin, dancing, initially fit the government narrative. The Chinese told us they have brought Islamic extremists. So we were expecting to find here suicide bombers, terror. Side note, um, I saw something talking about the criteria for who should go into the camps. And it was stuff as stupid and petty as like, decided to stop smoking and drinking in one week. It's that, that sort of thing, you know hardly criteria to qualify as potential terrorists. Okay, it's pretty obvious what China's doing here. Killers. What have these students done to be here? But the more he asked uncomfortable questions... What is her mistake? Why is she here? The more he realized this was all a show. Their answers surprised us a lot. Somebody had prayed to God in public. Another one had put a hijab or a headscarf. They were not extremists. They were not uh, terrorists. They were normal people who believed in their God. You, you insist on this question? Official translators told him some of his questions were out of line. And when he noticed an odd wound on a woman's hand, an official uh, interpreter became fed up. You can give me two million to rescue her. Really? Because you are so nice. He realized they could not leave. They'd been forced to confess supposed crimes. In these centers, what they are doing is exactly what we read in George Orwell's novel 1984. These are mass brainwashing centers. And back on the streets of Xinjiang, the homes of the roughly one million detained are sometimes locked. Signs telling all the disappeared residents are being looked after. Now the world is realizing just what that means. So how does China respond? Well, the BBC, one of the partners in the China Cables project, put the basics of the authenticated documents to the Chinese ambassador to the UK. Here's reporter Richard Bilton. Hundreds of thousands of people are held in these camps across Xinjiang. They're held there without sentence, without even charge, and they will be there for at least a year before they're released. That does, uh, they will be in those camps at least one year. You, the document, so-called document you're talking about is a peer fabrications. Don't listen to fake news. Don't listen to fabrications. The evidence extends past these verified documents. We've connected with Uyghurs living here in Canada, including one young man who confesses he's afraid even here, and he's not alone. 
you know, we're, we're working hard to protect your identity here. Why does that matter to you? Because Chinese government can track you uh, everywhere you want, everywhere in the country or outside the country, through uh, your phone or uh, through other people around you. Usually they get this information from your parents or your relatives. More from him and other Canadian Uyghurs who feel the long reach of China here tomorrow on The National. Um, this is uh, almost certainly over northern China, over Xinjiang. Can you tell us what is happening here? I cannot see, uh, you know, this video. This is not the first time you show me. I, I still remember last year you show me what is happening uh, in, in Xinjiang. In Xinjiang, but, exactly. But this, this let me tell you this. Xinjiang, have you been to Xinjiang yourself? No, I never have. You know, Xinjiang is regarded as the most beautiful place in Xinjiang. There's a Chinese saying, you, you do not know how big but China is. Ambassador, you, that, you, is not, that is not beautiful coverage, however, is it? Can I ask you why people are kneeling, blindfolded and shaven and being led to trains in modern China? Why, what, what is going on there? I do not know where you get this videotape. You know, sometimes you have a transmit, uh, your transfer of a prisons and the prisoners, you know, in any country. Verizon knows how to build unlimited rights. Sorry about this. Start with America's most awarded network. Give people more plans to mix and match at a price built for everyone. With $700 off our best phones when you switch. Because everyone deserves the best. This is Unlimited Built Right. In a far corner of northwestern China, a car drives along a wall lined with barbed wire, heading towards what looks like a standard apartment complex. Access here is restricted, and the camera person is filming secretly. Because this is no ordinary residence. It's part of a contentious labor resettlement program run by the Chinese government to extend state control over Muslim minorities, mostly Uyghurs, by moving them from one part of China to work in another. This covert, low-quality footage that we've adjusted to reveal some details and obscure others gives us some rare insights into how people in this program live and are indoctrinated. Over the last few years, the mass incarceration of more than a million Uyghurs and Kazakhs by the Chinese government has led to international outrage. These labor programs are part of that larger story. Let's take a closer look at the compound we showed you at the beginning. It's in Xinjiang, in the northern city of Kuaitun, where the population is mostly China's Han ethnic majority. But the workers in the compound are Uyghurs and other minorities transferred there from their homes in Hotan and Kashgar, hundreds of miles away. At the Kwaitun complex, there are multiple dormitories. We see that right around the time the transfer started in 2017, a security checkpoint and another building, a cafeteria, were built at the site. The camera person is now shooting inside of the cafeteria. We can see the compound's residents. They all work as street cleaners. A sign describing the program calls them Kashgar and Hotan surplus labor. 
It also lists instructions for how they should conduct themselves. And another poster offers guidelines on how to interact with the local population. This program, and others like it, have led to the relocation of hundreds of thousands of Uyghurs away from their homes and families. But government propaganda openly promotes these as poverty alleviation initiatives. Here I'm going to translate the, the words at the bottom. But government propaganda openly promotes these as poverty alleviation initiatives. Promoting employment, transfer of rural and urban from Kashgar and Hotel, increasing their income. Reflecting the CPC, Central Committee, General Xi Jinping, and Xi Jinping's Party Committee, various groups in Kashgar and Hotel. What's at stake here is about more than just putting people into labor programs. The bigger goal is to turn Uyghurs and other ethnic minorities away from their own heritage to be more in line with the rest of communist China. Back at the compound, the rules strictly limit when and where the workers can go. We hear about this as a camera person meets residents in the sleeping quarters. For example, if you don't eat at the cafeteria already, not a, you've been here for a year, have you been? Go back? No, no, no. This man was pressured to come here a year earlier leaving his family, a wife and young child, behind. His life here includes mandatory Mandarin classes in the evenings. And despite the government's claim that they are lifting these workers out of poverty, he says he's only making a third of what he did back home. How much do you make here every month? 2,000 RMB? How much did you make at home before you came here? I made 200 RMB a day last year for... Yarkand County is the home he left behind. For Uyghurs in towns like these, the future is becoming increasingly uncertain. Because the decision whether to stay or go is often no longer in their hands. So, China isn't a big fan of their culture. Join us or die is what they said. Join Han culture or die. Makes you think twice about our relations with China. Is what we had been saying for years is, oh come come on guys, come on, we trade with China, they liberalize, you know, we're we're gonna start trading with them, and they're gonna and they're gonna start uh, honoring human rights and stuff. They're gonna. They're going to treat all their people fairly and stuff. Well, no. We traded with them, and they said, You know what, guys? How about no? And then we're going to get worse. She didn't train the most powerful leader since Mao Zedong. Am I, am I saying he killed as many people as Mao Zedong? No, Mao Zedong is the number one killer. of all world leaders. But he's a very, very powerful man. The quote-unquote president of China.
they should think about all the slave labor that has gone into producing Chinese-made products in America. Like masks, many of which were produced by Uyghurs. They came out of the zone. The, the or what, what do they call it? Not a province. Uh, um, or is that what they call it? Yeah. It comes from the area where the Uyghurs are encamped. Many of the masks, I should say. But eventually word will get out. This is my prediction. Eventually, we will most likely stop doing, well, decrease trade with China, I'm sure. You know, there have been a number of country, of comp U.S. companies that claim to know nothing, such as Volkswagen. Well, Volkswagen's German. <laughs> but um, Nike has denied knowing anything. Yeah, not good stuff. Not a country not known for... It's kind treatment of hu other humans. Let's hope things improve. Oh, by the way, even if trade de decrease, it's not going to hurt them that much. They got a big economy. It'll be, it'll, it'll hurt. But yeah, it kind of reminds me of a quote from Marco Polo, where he said, "When China, China's like a sleeping giant, and when she awakes, she'll shake the world." And boy, did she ever! <laughs> Speaking of China, TikTok might be getting banned, or will it? But uh, before it gets banned, make sure to follow me on there, Lord Fleming. Just one word, Lord Fleming. It's a handle, so there's no spaces in them. <laughs> You'll see my terrible videos that might entertain you, maybe. Hopefully. I hope they do. What else do I want to talk about? Um, I had some other stuff. Okay. What is the difference between hot and beautiful? Take your time. Think about it. Gonna give you a, a few seconds just to think about it. What's your answer? Hot and beautiful.
Here's what my answer is. Hot is simply someone that... No, no, let's start with beautiful. Beautiful is you see someone and, oh, oh, they got a pretty face. They got a beautiful face, you know. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're attractive, you know. Uh, um, I want to, yeah, you want to, you want to go and be in a committed relationship with him, you know. That kind of thing, you're thinking about it. Hot is like, you got a, you got a short, you see a chick with a short skirt on and, you know, tits popping out. And you look at that and uh, all of a sudden your, your lizard brain, <laughs> just to use the, use the colloquial term. Uh, just takes over. It's like, um, it sees the thing is like, hey, here's an opportunity for you to, uh, to spread your germ, spread your, spread your seeds. That's what I want you to do. And that's what you might do. And because deep down, all we are is a bunch of apes out there cowering from the jaguars and trying to spread our DNA around to as many places as possible. We haven't evolved much from the times when it would have been a, it would have been just a miracle to have made it to 40 years old. Times have changed. Turns out that uh, when there's not those immediate threats to your life, you can live past 40 pretty regularly, you know? You can get up there to when the average age is mid-upper 70s, you know? And in all likelihood, probably 80s, maybe 90s. Right? And so, that desire to be with that hot person is, goes with the desire for, you know, no commitments, you know, just, yeah, like porn. Porn is all hot, not beauty, not beauty. It's just, you see, something that you want to fuck and that's what you want to do you know but it's not the most healthy of course there's a lot of issues with addiction in that and of course by addiction I mean the addiction by which you could be addicted to literally anything just because you get the dopamine released in your brain and then you know so you enjoy it, you associate that dopamine high, dopamine high, <laughs> with whatever the action is, and you're addicted the same way that you're addicted to your phone, you know, 
quite effective, yeah. But you know, anyway, versus beautiful, which is, you know, or thinking more prefrontal cortex. fun sometimes at first in the long run healthier okay done talking about that um, a recent news story entitled uh, where is it there it is do as they say Minneapolis police tell residents to prepare to give up personal belongings to robbers. Well, this ought to be a fun read. Minneapolis police informed residents of the city's embattled 3rd Precinct to prepare for the giving up of their personal belongings to potential robbers and advise them to do as criminals say for their own safety. According to a July 28th email provided to Alpha News Minnesota, uh, that was also forwarded, uh, the Minneapolis Police Department offered prevention tips to residents hoping to avoid being a victim of the skyrocketing cases of robbery and carjacking that have plagued the city since George Ford's death in May. Robberies and carjackings have increased in our precinct. The email begins. Cell phones, uh, persons, and vehicles are being targeted. Some victims have been maced, dragged, assaulted, and some threatened with a gun. Most of these crimes have occurred north of 42nd Street, East Run. 100 robberies and 20 carjackings. 100 robberies and 20 carjackings have been reported to Third Precinct Police in July alone. Downtown Southwest Minneapolis have been have seen an increase in, as well. We want we want those who live and work here to be safe. The email goes on to list several tips that citizens can supposedly use to protect themselves which includes letting criminals have what they want, do not walk alone, be hyper-aware of your surroundings at all times, pay attention, carry only items you need and carry less cash, be prepared to give up your cell phone and purse or wallet, have keys already in your hand as you approach your car, despite all our efforts, robberies may still occur, do, ar do not argue or fight with your criminal, do what they say, your safety is most important, be a good witness, when you call 911, be prepared to answer many questions. How many suspects, age, height, complexion, hair, and eye color, scars or tattoos, weapon, what did it look like, what direction did it leave, vehicle description. The email also lists suggestions for avoiding carjacking, such as never leave anything of value in your car and never leave your car running it unattended. Since what, since many whose cars have been stolen were drop, dropping off food or other deliveries. The email comes weeks after the after the Minneapolis City Council took steps to defend the city police department in exchange for a transformative new model for cultivating safety, Derek Shelvin, who knelt on George Floyd's neck for more than eight minutes until he died, was an officer with the 3rd Police Precinct, which served as the epicenter of violent protests that broke out in the wake of Floyd's death. On May 28th, Minneapolis Mayor Jacob Freyard evacuated the third police precinct after rioters torched it and destroyed other businesses before the National Guard arrived. Uh, the president blamed the chaos in Minneapolis at the time on a total lack of leadership and accused the rioters of being thugs who are dishonoring the memory of George Floyd, 
Twitter censored the tweet for allegedly violating the rules about glorifying violence. Okay. Well, I mean, obviously, if you're unarmed and the robbers tell you to do something, do it. But if you're armed, well, oh my, how the turntables. <laughs> how the tables have turned. <laughs> it gives you the upper hand if you carry some sort of weapon, whether it be mace. A gun, a knife, anything, a, a walking stick, anything. Do what you gotta do. If you or your property are in danger, you have the right to protect yourself and beat the shit out of the guy, okay? Absolutely. Okay, now let's see if this is going to load here. May or may not. Come on. Alright, so anyway... That's the show for today, folks. I hope you have a wonderful, fantastic rest of your day. I really do. It's been Lit Fam. Namaste.